turn with me to the book of Genesis chapter 26. I thought I was going to preach this went Sunday night and the Lord interrupted service and I didn't get to preach it Sunday night. I actually thought I was going to preach it last week and the Lord wouldn't let me preach it last week so I'm going to try to do it tonight. So maybe you needed to hear what the Lord had to say. Genesis chapter 26. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. I'm going to read the first five verses, first six verses. And it reads like this. A severe famine now struck the land as it happened before in Abraham's time. So Isaac moved to Gerar where Abimelech, the king of Philistines, lived. And the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt, but do as I tell you. Amen. But do as I tell you. Live here as a foreigner in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. I hereby confirm that I will give all these lands to you and your descendants, just as I solemnly promised Abraham, your father. I will cause your descendants to become as numerous as the stars of the sky, and I will give them all these lands. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. I will do this because Abraham listened to me and obeyed all my requirements, my commands, my decrees, and my instructions. If you don't get anything else, you better get what that verse just said. God said, I will do this for you because Abraham listened to me and he obeyed me. Amen. And so what does verse 6 say? So Isaac stayed in Gerar. Go down to verse number 12. And it says, When Isaac planted his crops that year, he harvested a hundred times more than he planted. Now he's still in the land of famine. He's still in the land that nobody wants to live in. But he sowed in that land of famine. He obeyed the word of the Lord. And God blessed him a hundred times more than what he sowed. I want to talk to you tonight about turning your problem into a possibility. Amen. Everybody say that with me. Turning your problem into a possibility. Amen. Would you pray with me right now that God would help us receive this word? <coughs> In the name of Jesus. Lord, tonight I know that I am insufficient <coughs> for what needs to be done. I pray, oh God, that you will bless tonight in this service. Give me, O oh God, your anointing tonight. I pray that you would minister to every need. 
In the name of Jesus, let your will be done. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I am convinced tonight that when we get to heaven, if God would permit us to look back over our earthly journey, I believe that most of us would be thoroughly surprised at where and when our greatest blessings came into our life. I feel like that if God were to give us the opportunity at that moment to understand, we would find out that what we thought was the worst of times was the best of times. And what we thought was the end of the world was just the beginning of God's possibilities in our life. I am convinced tonight that when we look back over our life, we're not going to recount the mountaintops as much as we will recount and relive the valleys because we discovered something in the valley that you can't discover on the mountaintop. I read somewhere years ago that these palm trees that grow in the Gulf Coast area, that if they really want them to be weatherproof and be able to stand the winds because of their root structure and the way that they grow, that when they plant these palm trees, they place heavy weights on the top of them for the first uh, few months, maybe even the first few years of their growth pattern. They put a heavy weight on the top of that palm so that it will force that palm to grow downward before it starts growing upward. Because if it doesn't grow downward, it will never be able to withstand the winds It would not be able to bend over and kiss the earth under the hurricane force wind and yet come back up if it had not been forced to go down deep. And you know what I've learned about life is that many times the burdens that God puts on us that we try to throw off, that we want to get rid of, are the things that God brings to our life to force us to go downward, to establish a foundation and a root system that can survive any kind of weather, that can live through any kind of situation. And I believe tonight that some of you that feel the weight of the world on you tonight, and you have done all that you know to do to try to throw that weight off, The reality is it could be the very thing God wants in your life at this moment to produce the very best that could come to your life. That if you would somehow find the the mind of God and you could understand the word of the Lord tonight, I believe that you will understand more clearly the reason for your problems And the reason for your troubles today. When your problems are overwhelming your promises, 
you need to stop for a moment and consider what might be going on in your life. There is in the life of the child of God contradictions at times that will cause you as a child of God to wonder if you misunderstood God or if you missed God. There are contradictions in the life of the child of God that will cause them to question the promises of God and the place where they are and the position that they have in God because what they're going through doesn't seem to fit what they have heard about God. Those contradictions are what get a lot of people in trouble. You see, for Isaac, the land that he lived in had been anything but what God had promised Abraham it was going to be. God had promised Abraham that it was going to be a land of abundance and rest. And yet Isaac found it to be everything but that. It was a place of famine. It was a place of question and wondering if he was in the right place. And the Bible said in Genesis 26 that a great famine came to the land that was as bad or worse as it was in the time of Abraham. The interesting thing about all of this is that when that famine happened to Abraham, God told Abraham to go to Egypt. God let him go there, and he let others do the same thing. But Isaac, he said, Isaac, don't go where you are thinking you need to go because that's not where your answer is going to be found. And yet when the famine came, Isaac did what a lot of us do. He started making his way that direction. He wasn't all the way to Egypt, but he was headed toward it. And that's when God interrupted him. God intersected his life and stopped him and said, Isaac, do not go down to Egypt. Stay in this land of famine and do what I tell you to do and I will bless you in spite of your problem. Amen. Don't go anywhere. Stay where you are. And I will bless you in the midst of all of your troubles. I will prove to you the kind of God that I am. Now Isaac's in a hard place. Who wants to live in famine? Who wants to go without? Who wants to worry whether you're going to have enough to meet the needs that are before you? Who wants hardship? Who wants a tough time? Who wants no return on your efforts? Who wants difficulties? Who wants to go through a dry season? Famine is not fun for anyone. And so Isaac was very much like you and I. When this problem came into his life, He started trying to find a way to get out of the problem. He started trying to find a way to better territory. There's got to be a better place than where I'm at. And and maybe I'm not in the will of God. If I was in the will of God, I wouldn't be going through all these problems. And that heavy weight started settling down on him. And he starts looking around for a new place to go. You know, that's the way a lot of people are. When troubles come, they run. 
They pack their bags and they take off for a new place, thinking that if they can just get somewhere else, they'll get away from their troubles. But you can't run away from your problems, folks. Amen. The problem is you can't run away from yourself, and that's where most of our problems are to start with. So you need to learn how to deal with yourself. And maybe that's what Isaac was learning. You see, Isaac had the unenviable task of living between two legends. Abraham, the father of the faithful, and Jacob, the the man who was deceitful and all other things, and yet somehow found a way into the blessings of God because of his desire for the best things. And in between those two worlds, here's this guy named Isaac. And there's so little about him written in the Word of God that you wonder if he's just an asterisk on the page. Oh, this this happened, but it's not really that incidental. And so it seems that for Isaac, there were some things that God needed to teach Isaac that it was going to take a certain kind of condition for him to bring those lessons about. And so he called Isaac to live in a place of famine when Everything in him was wanting to run. What any sane person would say, you've got to get to a better place. You've got to provide for your family. You've got to take care of your children. And so get away from this as quickly as you possibly can and cut your losses and move on down the road. And yet God speaks to Isaac and said, no, Isaac, do not go to Egypt. Stay here in this land of famine. You know what's strange about God is that there are some things God will let other people get by with that he won't let me get by with. There are some things God will permit other people to do that he won't permit me to do. Because there's a lesson that I need to learn through my problems that I will never learn if I do what God let everybody else do. And so God makes me stay where I'm at. He takes that heavy weight and he puts it on top of me. And when I'm trying to push it off and I'm trying, I want to grow, I want to develop, and yet it seems like everything is pushing me down instead of resisting what God's trying to do. I need to learn how to cooperate with what God's trying to do so that it will produce the best results. God permitted Abraham to go to Egypt, but he said, No, Isaac, I don't want you going to Egypt. He even permitted Jacob to to go to Egypt, but he would not permit Isaac. Why? I don't understand all the ways of God other than this. God knows me. And God knows what it takes to bring the best out of me. And there may be something that he'll let you get by with, and he'll let you do that he will not let me do. Instead of me fighting God over what he allows or what he does not allow, maybe I need to learn what God is trying to teach me about this hard place that I'm in. Amen. Is this what you came for? Praise God. No, it's not really. Because none of us like to be told we need to stay when we want to run. God's word to Isaac was to stay put. There's something to be said about staying power. There's something to be said about men and women who in tough times will trust God, not their emotions. 
They will trust God, not what everybody around them is saying. They will trust God, not what Facebook is posting. (laughs) Well, if it was me, I'll tell you what I'd do. Well, it's not you, so quit telling me what you'd do. Because what you would do, God's not going to let me do. Because God's got a reason for me being where I'm at. There's something God's trying to teach me about himself more than that, trying to teach me about myself that I cannot learn in any other atmosphere than what I'm going through right now. And so God says to Isaac, stay put. When things aren't going well, the hardest thing to do is to stay where you are. God permitted somebody to do something that he didn't let Isaac do, but that's the way God works. Here's what I've learned. How we react to our troubles is a key to what comes out of our troubles. If we say, I'm not putting up with that. All right. What have you done other than mess your coat up? And put yourself in a place where God can't help you. Because the only person God's going to bless is the obedient person. And there's something to be said about obedience, whether you understand it or not. There's something to be said about just doing what God said. And when things go bad, when things get tough, when things get dry, When it goes a long time and there's not an answer from heaven that we want, there's something inside all of us that wants to fix that problem. There's something in all of us that wants to rise up and find a solution. And there's something in all of us that wants to run and hide. And yet in the midst of all of that, God said, stay where you are. Stay where you are. Because there's something you're going to have to learn here that you will not learn in Egypt. And there's something you're going to have to discover about yourself here that you'll not discover in any other atmosphere other than the trouble that you're going through right now. Are you with me? Are you listening? Because the Bible said God blessed Abraham because he listened. You know, sometimes I wonder, where do all the good sermons go? I think about all the times I've preached in this pulpit, and they've not all been good, but I've tried to make them good. But it doesn't matter whether I tried to or not. It's the Word of God. The Word's always good. But I wonder, where have all those sermons gone? Because I've preached stuff to people and turned right around and see them live the exact opposite of what I preached. And I'm thinking, what in the world? Did you not hear one word that was said? What I need to do is get my ear tuned to the Word of God and somehow learn how to listen to what God is trying to say to me in my time of trouble. Because if I will listen to Him in my problems, God will take my problems and make them into possibilities. Amen. So when things are at their worst, life is not always as it seems. You see, our blessed hours are not those which seem to be so at first. Our blessed hours may not always look like blessed hours. They may look like blasted hours. 
They may be filled with pain and hurt and trouble, but it could be that that is the pathway that God has chosen to take me to his power. And if God said, Paul, the only way you're going to really know my power, if you really want to know me in the power of my resurrection, the only way you're going to know that, I'm going to have to do something to you. I'm going to have to put something on you. And so God takes a thorn and he just jabs it into into Paul's side, into his body. Pain. Because that's the only way Paul is ever going to discover how powerful God was. And it wasn't until Paul quit fighting that pain and started embracing God's word and God's promise that God was able to say to him, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm not going to put something over you that's going to overwhelm you. I'm going to put something on you that's going to help make you. And the only way you're going to discover the power that you want in me, that you want to know in me, is through what you're suffering and going through right now. And some of us have prayed for God to bless us. How many of us pray pray for God to bless us? That's a dangerous prayer to pray. Because what we think is going to be God's way of blessing us really is more like a burden. It's this weight that he puts down on. And I'm wanting to grow up. I'm wanting to flourish. And it seems like everything in life is just pushing me further and further down. And I fight it. I restrict it. I I push against it. I hate it. I get mad at God. I even say things that I don't mean to say to God. Like Brother Free said one time after his daughter had passed away. He said, me and God are on speaking terms right now. He was mad because God took his daughter or allowed his daughter to die. He didn't understand that. And there's times in all of our lives when we sometimes feel that way because we don't understand the pain. We don't understand the problem. We don't understand the perplexities that life has brought to us and the contradiction of life. God said it's a life of promise. How many people have been disillusioned in living for God because everything they heard about living for God, it ain't been nothing like that for them. Pardon my crude English. You know, it's all just sweeter than the, as the days go by. And they're thinking, who are they? What, what are they talking about? Sweeter as the days go. It's like every day I get up, I've got another another gallon of prune juice to have to swallow, or I've got another gallon of lemonade to have to drink. Sometimes there are contradictions in in living for God that what we think is the worst of times in reality is the best of times because God knows how to take that thing and make it work for my good. And the problem is we misunderstand the pain and we misunderstand the problem and our blessed hours are not always the ones that look blessed. You might think that this is the worst time of your life. 
But in reality, it could be the very best hours that you'll ever know in God. Because you're going to discover some things about God in these hours and about yourself that you would never find in any other situation. The hours of disappointment that we are often tempted to look upon as the darkest ones in our life are the ones in which we learn how to possess our soul and to save our soul. In the trials of life, in the worst of trials, the greatest blessings can come. And when the real misfortune of life happens, it happens when we miss what God is trying to do in the midst of our problems. Amen. Do you understand tonight that God cares about you? And he cares about what you're going through right now. He's not oblivious. He is not a God that just enjoys seeing his people suffer. If he allows suffering in your life, it is for a divine purpose. And there's something to be said about men and women, no matter what the time is, bad times or not, they're going to listen and they're going to obey the word of the Lord. When things are going wrong in our lives, the hardest thing to do is the thing that we need to do, and that is to be obedient. Amen. There's something to be said about obedience. Just doing what God commands. How many of us want a net break in revival? You want a net break in blessing? You know what I'm talking about? where they put the nets down and when they pulled them up, there was so many fish it just broke the net. You know where a net-breaking revival began? It began when Jesus turned to those men and said, Hey, can I borrow your boat for a couple of minutes? I need to preach a sermon. That's where the net-breaking revival started. It didn't start somewhere in the recesses of their history, of their their education and schooling, it began with a simple obedience of doing that first simple command of letting the Lord have that boat and them using that boat as a pulpit for a little while. And then when he got through preaching to the multitude, he turns to these weary fishermen that had toiled all night and caught no fish and said, okay, boys, it's time for us to go out in the deep and let down the net. And when they let down the net, they caught a drought of fish, and it broke the net. That kind of blessing begins with the simplest things, the simplest of obedience. It's just worshiping God when you don't feel like worshiping. It's being faithful in prayer when you don't feel like praying. It's coming to church when everything in you is telling you to stay in bed. It's going on when everything around you is saying, give up. It is staying faithful to God even when you don't feel God. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's just going on. It's staying. There's something to be said about people who can stay. If you can stay, you can stand. Amen. You see, famine is not an excuse to not try. 
And when things start going bad in people's lives, many times as a pastor, that's when it seems like they just give up. They quit worshiping. They quit praying. They quit coming to church. I mean, they, 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 they don't, they don't want to hang out with anybody. They don't want to be around anybody. Everything that they need to keep doing, they quit doing. And they can't understand why they can't revive. They can't recuperate. You know why I'm here tonight? It's not because I've lived a perfect life. And it's not because I've always done everything I should have done. And it's certainly not because I passed every test. The reason that I'm here tonight is because I just keep coming back. Whether I feel like it or not. I come up here sometimes I worship just to make the devil mad. I know that's not the right reason to worship, but if he's been after you like he has sometimes, you just need to raise your hand and say, hey, hey, devil, you see that? You didn't get me today. You might have tried, but you didn't get me today. I do it to prove to myself that I can still do it. I'm not giving up. I'm not quitting. I'm not going back. Nobody wins when I turn around. And sometimes I stop when I'm just a few inches away from the goal. You know what? The tragedy is the real misfortune of life is not to avoid pain. It's not to learn what that pain was for. It's not to learn why did God make me stay here when I wanted to go there. Why did God make me stay in this God-forsaken place, this dry desert place when right across the border there's plenty over there and I'm hearing all the reports of those that are going and they're being blessed and everything they want is down there and here I am in this God-forsaken place. Where are you, God? What's wrong with my life? God said, there's nothing wrong with your life, Isaac. There's just something I need to teach you is that you don't need to depend on man for your answers. I'm your answer. Do you understand that? God is your source. And it doesn't matter what's going on out there. If God wants you here, you better stay here. Even if it's famine. Do you understand how absurd it is? Anybody, I haven't ever been through a real famine. I don't... I've been through a drought, but I hadn't been through a famine. Has anybody here ever been through a famine? Nobody. We don't even understand what a famine is. A famine, well, I take it back. I think I remember. Anybody remember gas lines that were just, I mean, blocks long? When was that? In the late 70s, middle 70s? Gas prices went, I mean, they didn't go anywhere close to what we had over the last few years, but back then there's an oil shortage. We had to sit in line and and wait, and then even sometimes you get up there, and then there wasn't any any gasoline to get. You remember the panic that came over the land? Magnify that a hundred times over. Not just gasoline, but food. No food. Hur- hurricane. How many of you have ever gone into the store during a season of hurricane? And everything be wiped out. No gas anywhere. No fuel. No light. Nothing that you can. Everything that you need is gone. 
That's what was going on in that particular time. And God said to Isaac, this is where you need to be. Right in the middle of nothingness. Now, no rain. Famine means something. No rain, no water, no crops. And yet God inspires him to stay. And in staying, he decides to make it a better place. Now you say, well, what good is that going to do? I mean, if it's famine, it's famine. Does he think he's going to fool Mother Nature? Nobody else's crops are doing. Nobody else is producing anything. And yet the Bible says that Isaac sowed in that land of famine. The most idiotic thing you could imagine. That's like throwing good money down the drain. Well, you just lost that. You hear me. You never lose one thing that you invest in God's promises. Not one. Not one. I don't care if it doesn't come up for a hundred years. It will come back up at some point. You never, you never lose when you invest in the Word of God and in the promises of God. And you'll never lose by standing on His promises. And the promise to Isaac was... Stay here, I'm going to keep you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to take care of you. So Isaac decided to take God at his word, and so he starts sowing. Everybody around him think, man, Isaac, he's let the sun get to him. He's lost his mind. He, he's, he's, he's gone over the edge. I knew it was going to happen sooner or later. I knew it. There he is out there in that dry, I mean, dust bowls. You plow and nothing but just dirt. I mean, you can't even hardly turn the earth over. And there, But Isaac's putting that good seed out there. Everybody's looking around. Well, what good seed going to do if there's no water? I mean, put all the seed you want out there. But if you can't fertilize it, if you can't nourish it. And yet somehow God honored his faith. And what did he do? He blessed him a hundred times more than he sowed because he was willing to stay when everything in him said run. When he was willing to obey and listen rather than turn and do what everybody else in the nation was doing. Hey, it might be all right for somebody else to do that, but it's not all right for you to do it. Get over that. Yeah. Get your thumb out of your mouth. Quit pouting. Well, that's not fair, God. You're not, you're, you're not doing things right. This is not fair that you're making me go through this, but you're not making anybody else go through this. God's got something that he's trying to work out in all of us. And the only way he's going to get it out is through certain conditions. And so God allows it. Isaac gained some things by staying that he would have never had if he had run. Isaac gained one thing was trust in God. That God will keep his word. And that God will never fail. And his word will never fail. God will never go back on this. Amen. Not only that, but Isaac gained some strength in standing and in staying. I don't know what all was going to come down the road in Isaac's life, 
But I believe somehow in this, in this setting, the character of this man was being developed so that he would become the man that God wanted him to be. And it only came about because he was willing to stay and he was willing to stand and he had the heart to carry on. Amen. You know, there's something to be said about people that just keep coming. Whether they feel it or not, whether they shout or not, whether there's a good service or not, whether the songs are what they want or not, but they still worship, they still pray, they still seek God. There's something to be said about men and women who do not allow their problems to dictate what God can do in their life. And if you will learn how to listen and be obedient, and if we can learn how to trust Him, God will take our problem and turn it into a possibility. Amen. A hundred times more than what he sowed, God blessed him. We do not, listen, and I'm going to close with this. We do not determine victory in our life by what we avoid, but by what we overcome. The natural tendency have to be put down. The natural feelings have to be put aside. But I do not win the victory in my life by avoiding my troubles. I win victory by overcoming them. And I overcome them by obeying, by listening. Instead of backing up, I need to break through. And that's what Isaac did. Amen. He took that seed. He started throwing it out on that dry ground. Amen. Amen. You know what Isaac learned? He learned how to be a giver in a time of famine. Now, isn't that an oxymoron? Isn't that a contradiction? Give in famine? That's, that's just the last thing on our mind. Don't let Famine make you tight-fisted. And I'm not talking about just financially. I mean in every aspect of your life. You've got to learn how to continue to give. And when he sowed in the land, God blessed him a hundred times more. Wouldn't you like a hundred times more blessing? Oh, sometimes it doesn't make sense what God calls on us to do in our time of trouble. He said, rejoice evermore. He, he said, pray without ceasing. Amen. He said, shout unto the Lord with the voice of triumph. God sometimes tells us to do things that in the natural mind do not make sense. But do it anyway. Because God will bless you. If you'll stand and you'll stay. God will bless you for your standing and your staying. And you'll look back in eternity. And you'll look back over your life and you'll see that dark, dark moment. And it will be bright with the glory of God. And you will realize that it was in that trial. It was, in, it was under that heavy burden that I had to carry. That I got my roots 
that I, I got my, my, my character, my, my life was developed, my, the strength of who I was. I had struggled up until that point with my identity. Isaac had struggled for his own identity up until that point. But when he came through this famine, Isaac was no longer struggling with who he was. He knew who he was because God had proven who he was through his trust in him in a time of famine. It's not working, somebody says. Well, just keep on doing it anyway because God will bless you if you'll obey him. Amen. Amen. Somebody say it with me. God will bless me if I'll obey him. The Bible says of obedience that it is better than sacrifice. That's an astonishing statement to me because my Bible speaks to me of much sacrifice and God loves sacrifice. God blessed sacrifice. He still blesses sacrifice. But there is one thing that God blesses more than sacrifice and that is obedience. What did he say in Isaiah? The willing and the obedient shall eat the good of the land. When your problems are overwhelming you, maybe you need to stop and listen to what God is trying to say. Because God doesn't send problems to overwhelm you. God sends problems to make you. Hmm. God sends problems to grow me, to develop me, to make me into the man that he wants me to be. And you win by staying. Amen. You win by staying. You overcome by standing and trusting. And you discover things about God and yourself that you will never find and never discover anywhere else. That God can be trusted. Amen. God will keep his word. And your circumstances may contradict your promise at the moment, but if you'll stay true to him and you will stay obedient to him, God will bless you. He will bless you. Yes, he will. Amen. Let's stand together. How I react to my trouble is the key to what comes from my troubles. Lord, help me. To learn to trust you more. Help me God to take your word. And stand on that word. When I have nothing else to stand on. To stand on that word. 